Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The little tagline for our sermon series the next couple of weeks is, Through It All. And as I worked on that a couple months ago, I thought, you know what, by November it will feel like we have been through it all. We've been through all the COVID stuff, or at least almost eight months of it. Things that we never thought about, we now think about moment by moment and bit by bit. It's changed our whole way of thinking. We have to wear masks, we have to do social distancing I get to reach out and hold that beautiful little baby. I've got to think about thus and such. And and I'm not a big one for social distancing, but I'm a big one for hugs and kindness and closeness. I'm not one for masks, but I know why you have to wear them. And I wear mine as any preacher would religiously. But there's something about brushing up next to someone at Stater Brothers at Prospect and Chapman and them looking at you from under the mask with their eyes aghast that maybe something has been transmitted that got through the mask in the distance. We've lost stuff over the last months. We lost Easter services, we lost summer fun, many lost travel and trips, and now it looks like even Thanksgiving and Christmas will be curtailed to a degree through it all. If COVID-19 weren't enough, we, we knew going into it that this week would be a big week, that with the election and all of the stuff uh, going on, that, that, that Christians would be brought into the breach of conversation about politics. Never would we know that we'd have record turnout, which would come from probably record passion and record rhetoric. The media and social media socially charged, politically charged, people shutting their ears and their hearts as their fingers and their mouths go bonkers. The debates, the topical refrains, and now it looks like we may have a president-elect, but a 36-year-old senior pastor in in 2000 took the pulpit and overstated himself, and this 56-year-old pastor will not be guilty of the same trespass. We'll wait and see how it goes, hanging chads and all. One more theme came forward in 2020, and for me it was the most painful, because it was the, the, the theme that pitted humanity against itself in the most egregious manner. Racism spiked the needles of pain into the red. And we had night after night of riots, protests, and on and on it goes to last night and even this morning. And we have to deal with a a new phenomenon called wokeness. We've been through a lot. And my point is that we've gone through a lot together Our congregation, the body of Christ, the Christian church throughout the world has not been shaken apart over the last eight months. Rather, the Christian church, pastors, Christians, Christian leaders throughout the nations and the world have been galvanized and brought together around that which is essential, which is faith in Jesus Christ and His Word. We've been through a lot. We have no idea how much more there is to go. But the longer we go through this, the more grateful I am to come from our Lutheran tradition. 
I'm a Lutheran pastor. I didn't have to sit up this week and say, well, I'm not sure what to preach on. If I preach too much about this, the Democrats will be angry. If I preach too much about that, the Republicans will be angry. If I preach too much about that, the woke people will drive me nuts on email. So I don't have to preach politics or my clever opinions, but rather the solid and clear Word of God from the Scriptures for us this morning. And today, as the people of God gathered around the Word of God, we remember the promises of God and the reality that God's people have been through a lot over the millennia that they have been called of God. And God has always been found to be faithful. God is faithful. St. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that history has a way of cycling over and over again through, through different events and cultural themes. He reminds us of this reality and says that in the middle of those cycles of, of life, God is faithful. In the first 10 verses of our text today from 1 Corinthians 10, you may want to look and reread that a little bit. Because he, Paul brings up particularly ugly pieces of Israel's history. Moments etched into the narrative of their lives. From grumbling about too much manna to making a golden calf to griping about water to generally being whiny and stiff neck in the wilderness, Paul distills that down into idolatry. Some of it was crass and ugly, gross and painful. But in all of that ugliness and even in their idolatry, God had only been faithful to them. So Paul reminds them of the blotches of history and that maybe they needed to, even having been baptized into the faith, maybe needed to warn them not to fall. I can't imagine in any piece of history in, in our things that would be as crass as building a golden calf. The golden calf, when when. Moses went up to Mount Sinai, was so ugly that the Lord turned to Moses and said, look what your people are doing. And Moses turned back to God and said, don't pin this on me. These are your people. And God and Moses had a little bit of a face-to-face -face brawl. But I can't imagine in, in, in what case that, that a, a, a Christian person in the United States of America would say, what we really need to do is abandon the Lord and find something else. So the evil one has made our idolatry a little more subtle and a little bit more self-righteous. And we've seen some of it over the last months. Could it be that the idolatry between us and the Lord is that we've been making sacrifices to the gods of our political ends? Some are overly ecstatic this week over a seeming victory. Some are overly bitter over a perceived loss. Do we let God on the sideline and, and just reach out to Him when we've gotten past our wit's end, when our voting, when our rhetoric, when all of that stuff seems to either risen up so we can be prideful or dissipated so we can be despondent? We reach out to God when He's the last person on the bench rather than being called out to lead the team. We put our trust in princes and venerate them like some golden calf of millennia gone by. Or maybe the idol of social justice is the subtle idol of our time. 
I have a new enlightenment, a person says. I've got special wisdom, special knowledge. I didn't care about this before, but I care now. And, and now that I care about this, I care about it more than you do. So you just hush up and you let me prophesy now about what I know. Athletes, movie stars, and others forget the plank in their own eyes and seek to remove the speck in other people's eyes, all the while ignoring the idolatry of their own hypocrisy. It's always convenient when an individual has a corner on the market of wisdom and enlightenment and then to forget that justice begins at the cross is found in Jesus is given in our tradition, in our faith life, in scriptures like Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. All idolatry from age to age, whether theirs or ours, is all focused on the idol of self. And Jesus says over and over again, that we need to die to ourselves so that we can live in Him. So the end of the text today, Paul's promises are, are beautiful and precious for us, relevant for us today. As we take them into our souls in this moment, and as we wind them through the situations of life, Paul's comments are fabulous. He tells us temptations are big, but there's a way through. He also reminds us that our lives are not framed by self, but by the mercy and the grace of God. The frame. The frame. Do you see life through the frame of God's grace? God never abandoned His people, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10. There's not a point in those first 13 verses or any of the Old Testament where God finally checked out and said, you know what, I've had it, I'm done, it's over. Rather, God, like that marvelous father, when the children continue to act up, God turns around and says, I still love you, I still love you, I still love you. I am with you, I will not abandon you. God never abandons his promise, his covenant, because he knew that with the people of Israel, he was marching toward the birth of his son, Jesus, who would then march to the cross. And as the people of Israel looked forward and believed, it was credited to them as righteousness. In that promise, they were saved. We look back at the cross of Christ, and we nod and we say, in that frame, and through that frame, I see my life. I see politics, I see social justice, not through the frame of self, but through the frame of God's grace and His faithfulness to me. God is with us, not angry, mad with us, but lovingly, kindly with us. And there's the frame of His mercy. God's mercy is different than His grace. His mercy is the point where He relents. Like a father who intervenes when a child is being obstinate. When you have the perfect comeback line and you go, I'm going to tell them, and you let it go, that's mercy. When the person is out on the limb and you're sawing it off and you stop sawing, that's mercy. When you have every right in the world to rise up and let someone have it and you don't, that's mercy. 
God reveals himself to us not as a God of judgment and equality, but as a God of mercy. Who loved his people so much, who loved us so much, that he would take out our punishment not on us, but on his son Jesus. And in Jesus, we see the heart of God as God brings to us forgiveness, reminding us of the sacrifice of Jesus, delivering in Jesus peace with God that supersedes, transcends all human understanding. And it guards our hearts and our lives in Christ Jesus. What frame are you going to look through your life in the next week or so? And as we look back at 2020, what frame will you look through and make sense of the events through which we have come? That's a pretty important piece for driving a sense of hope for you for 2021 and beyond. Sometimes I'd like to share my email with you. I'd love love for you to get a gander at my email sometimes. Some of it is just so nice. We did All Saints last week. Before I got from here to my office, I had six emails thanking me for the service. Pastor, it was great. Pastor, it was good. And, and, then, and, and then it kind of filters out and you get some nasty emails. You're like, wow, did you even listen to the whole thing? Did you quit? What was it? Wow. And it's just kind of fun. It ebbs and flows, right? There's six good ones, but the three bad ones drive you, drive you nuts. One of those people who sends me email I love, like another almost father for me, his name is Bill Darlin. And Bill's probably watching TV, uh, watching uh, worship on TV this morning. And if you are Bill and Arlene, I pray God would bless you in your home, Arlene, with healing. But Bill, my dear friend, was the first person to take me on a mission trip. And we went to Vietnam and to China and taught me how to travel internationally and how to handle all that stuff. And Bill, where's my camera? Bill is kind of cantankerous. When I get an email from Bill, I smile, I back off, I trade my caffeinated coffee for water and something mellow, and Bill likes to say in my sermons, you stop too soon. I don't want to do that in this text. I don't want to stop too soon and leave you hanging. On a week where there's already a lot hanging out there, I don't want to leave you hanging. Bill always says, challenge us Challenge us with something to do. So here's two things to do and one thing not to do. Right from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 11, 12, and 13. First, stand firm through temptation. Stand firm through temptation. Look through your frame of grace and mercy and see the God of history and his faithfulness not only to his people then, but to his people now. God is faithful to us, to his creation, to those who he has claimed in Christ. Stand firm through temptation. The temptation to be angry, the temptation to be despondent, the temptation to be proud, the temptation to put something up as an idol. Stand firm through temptation. Secondly, Bill would, (laughs) the Lord Jesus said through Paul, Look for a way through that includes a change in you. Look for a way through that includes a change in you. 
It's easy for me to tap somebody else on the shoulder and say, you know, my life would be a lot easier if you would just. What Paul is telling his readers here is that the transformation in Christ allows a transformation in us. Our society says, you need to accommodate and assimilate my enlightened attitudes and my enlightened way of thinking. The Lord says, I am with you always. Christians take a different pathway, one that is not idolatrous, but rather equipped by the word and rooted in Christianity, we find a way through anger, disappointment, pain, and suffering through it all. Through it all. God molds and shapes us as his people and leads us to the end of the journey as he did the people of Israel. And a final word of encouraging is two things to do and one thing not to do. Nothing drives God more crazy than grumbling. All five of those incidences in the text have to deal with grumbling, where the people looked and they said, not manna again. Are you nuts? Can't we have a filet mignon with a baked potato and maybe a little Grand Marnier dessert or something? I mean, come on, Lord, this manna's getting gross. So the Lord listened to their grumbling and it grieved his heart. Again, they they got out into the desert, and they said, this water tastes gross. We don't like this anymore. The one thing that grinds the Lord's heart up is when his people grumble. Perhaps as people grumble, there's a way through it as well. The inability, the, the, the ability to frame life through grace and what we say through grace and mercy rather than through the idolatry of self. For some, it's going to be very difficult this week to find the blessings, but I encourage you, instead of grumbling about what may be, look and find God's faithfulness in your life. There may be no better day for Sky Margot to be baptized and for us to see that than today because we're reminded of the goodness and the faithfulness of God so that in Jesus our tone, our words, and our hearts are filled by that which frames our lives as Christians, His grace and His mercy. Through it all, God is faithful. Amen.